Hi, I'm Pastor Bob Yandy. Did you know you were born a slave and you can't pay your way out of it? There's no amount of money that could get you out of that slavery. It took the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that which money could not buy. You like that? There's more to come. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome again to Student of the Word. I'm beginning a series, eight different doctrines found in the Word of God that seemingly are complicated, and I call this theology simplified because theology is never meant to be something so far over your head or something that's ambiguous or dark or, you know, foreboding. And we often think of that. Pastor may mention a word, you know, and he mentions the Greek word and the, and the definition. We just kind of roll our heads, our eyes back into our head. And that's not exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to understand that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And there's nothing in the word of God that God wants hidden from us. And there's not certain sections of the Bible that are just for certain people, such as Timothy and Titus, you know, three books, 2 Timothy 1 book on by Titus. And we often refer to those as the pastoral epistles. Well, find where that's written. It's not written anywhere in there. It's part of the word of God. You say, well, you know, all that stuff about the church order and all that stuff. Listen, everybody needs to know about that because that's written to every one of us. Well, if that's the case, then we should never open the book of Romans because we don't live in Rome or Galatia. So again, we throw out most of the word of God when all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable. When Jesus saw that something was common complicated, he would throw down beside it a parable. A parable is simply something that got you, that showed you from a natural thing of life what to do and how to understand this parable that's wrapped around a simple process. Jesus simplified things. And so when he simplified a par- by a parable, he would say, well, it's like a woman putting, uh, you know, putting uh, yeast into a loaf of bread. Well, a woman could understand that. It's like throwing a net into the water and pulling fish out and throwing away the bad fish and keeping the good ones. It's like putting seed into the ground. People can understand that because they did it every day. And so it is with our first one, redemption. We're going to talk about redemption, and the word simply means to buy back. And we hear about the word redeemed, and suddenly we launch off into this, well, that's a Bible term. No, no, no. It's a, it's a term that was used quite often back in their day. It simply means to buy back. And redeem means to do it over again. That's why we're buying it back. And redemption comes from the word ex agarazzo. It means to purchase a slave from a market or to repurchase a slave from a market. We used to be in Adam, but Adam sold us into slavery, and now we need to come back out and be redeemed, purchased back out. Adam used to be free. He went into slavery. God found us, and now we can go back into freedom like Adam was originally. And so this is God's purpose in it. Ex agarazzo, again, means to to purchase a slave from the market. And the point of it is, in spiritual terms, it's the price that Jesus paid on the cross to redeem mankind from slavery to sin. Redemption views mankind, all of us, as born into the slave market of sin because of Adam's original sin. You know, we st- we talk about slavery today. It's a major issue as we look back on the evils of slavery, not only in our own country, but around the world as in many countries, slavery is still going on, sex slavery and selling children, all these things. And our heart goes out to them. But I'm here to tell you, as bad as that is, there's a worse type of slavery and we're all born slaves. And that's because Adam walked into the slave market one day because of his disobedience to God and listening to the voice of Satan and sold all mankind into slavery. You say, how in the world could that happen? When Adam walked into the slave market, 
The door was closed behind him. The only way to open it's from the outside, not from the inside. And so Adam and Eve started having children. Children of slaves are slaves. They're born in the slave market. They can't get out because they're on the inside. And that's where Satan thought he had pulled it over on all mankind. Here he had, you know, I imagine he, Satan must have had probably eight or nine temptations all written out. If this one fails, I'm going to number two. If that fails, I'm going to number three. Guess what? Number one worked. I mean, he tempted Eve. She went for it. She tempted Adam. He went for it. And boom, in a matter of minutes, now Satan was in control and all the earth was handed to him. The kingdoms of this earth were handed to him. All the riches of this earth were handed to him. And the two that did this were driven into a slave market and the door was closed. No one was on the outside and Satan must have thought if the way to open the door is on the outside and there's no one out here, I've got them forever. I love what God did. In chapter three, where the Lord spoke to Adam, to Eve and to Satan himself, he said to Satan, he said, he said their redemption is gonna come through the seed of the woman. And man, did that one shock him because why? Adam and Eve were created without a woman. They were created without natural birth. They were created by God. Their bodies were made by God and their spirits were created by God. And so now that he heard that, he understands something. The, the next Redeemer is going to come will be born and he'll be born outside the slave market. The first two were created and made outside the slave market. They walked in and the third one that's gonna come along later on, he'll be born outside the slave market. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's gonna come through the seed of the woman. And that immediately marked what was gonna happen because man's seed was fallen. God was going to impregnate a virgin with a divine seed. And that way that baby could come into this earth outside the slave market, outside the curse on mankind. And so that's why Satan went into high gear to try to tempt Jesus to walk into the slave market. He said, just bow down before me. That's all it takes. Just bow down in front of me and, and, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world because they've been given to me. Yes, they were given to him. And he was not lying. I mean, instead of being second to God in the Godhead, he wanted this one to be second to him as far as his kingdom was concerned by simply switching kingdoms. By doing that, then mankind would constantly be in the slave market and Satan would have everything like he wants. Plus the son of God came and yielded to him. But Jesus came, was tempted in all points as we are, but yet without sin. Again, redemption views mankind as born in the slave market. We all are in the slave market because our first father, and he carried all of us inside of himself. Once we were born, we were born into the slave market, born into sin. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 and verse 27 says this. God said, let us, notice God speaking to the other two members of the Godhead. This is probably God the father speaking. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I want to take a couple of, of looks at this first. First of all, I said, let us make man in our image. The Hebrew word here is asa. It means to make something from something. And what God did was, first of all, create all the raw material, which was land and dirt and all this other stuff and water. And from that, he then made things. And so what God made of man was his body. Man's body was made of the dust of the ground. So it was made from existing material. But then he goes on to say in that verse of scripture, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created. Notice we have a different word here. First of all, in verse 26, God made man. In this verse, God created him. And we have a different word here. It's the word bara. And it means from nothing. His body was made from existing material, but his spirit was made from nothing. God, like he spoke the universe into existence, spoke Adam's and Eve's spirit into being. And so it was created out of nothing. So we have the word make 
out of existing material, but we have the word create, which comes to, to create something out of nothing. So God created from nothing man in his own image. That's the spirit of, of man. The body was made in God's likeness, but the spirit was made in God's perfect image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. The fall of Adam and Eve occurred in chapter three. The first children born to them were after the fall. And of course, that was Cain and Abel, but it's the, really the third one we're going to deal with because there was a big problem with Cain and Abel. But later on, when Seth came along, the third child, we have some great things written about him in comparison to Adam and Eve. Notice Adam and Eve were made and created in God's image and likeness. But when they fell from that, now they fell and they were no longer in God's image. They still look like God as far as their physical body was concerned, but both the body and the spirit were affected by the fall. And so we find in Genesis chapter five, and here's when they had their child named Seth. And we found that Adam and Eve came from God. They were both created and made in God's image and likeness. And we're gonna find a difference here when it comes to Seth. Genesis five, look at verses one through three. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created, again, that's out of nothing, man. He made, again, this is out of existing material. In the likeness of God, he created them male and female and blessed them and called their name Adam. In the day they were created, that's when God spoke their spirits into being and put them inside of Adam's body. Verse three, and Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image. Notice Adam and Eve were made and created in God's image, but Seth was made and created here out of Adam's image. So he was born under physical death. His body was limited. After Adam and Eve sinned, they uh, had a sudden uh, limit on their life, their life. They lived over 900 years, but they died. And, and also their spirits were spiritually separated from God. That's what occurred in the fall. But now that children are born to Adam and Eve, they're born in the slave market and they're born two things. Number one, they're spiritually dead because they came from spiritually dead people. But next of all, also that their bodies had a curse in it that would die. And so these were different, no longer the image and likeness of God, but now the image and likeness of Adam himself so that Adam begot a son in his own likeness after his own image and named him Seth. Adam and Eve sinned and walked into the slave market by themselves. The slave market door was closed behind them from the outside. And again, the only way to open that door was from the outside. No one was on the outside. Slaves are caught on the inside and cannot be freed. Slaves can't pay a ransom price. They're paid nothing. You know, let's just imagine millions and millions of people that have been born on this earth, perhaps billions, and they've been on this, and they're born in the slave market, and they're all slaves standing next to each other. A slave can't free himself because he's paid nothing. If he's paid anything at all, it's just his house where he lives, and the place he lives, and the bed he sleeps in, and the food he's given, and the clothes he has. That's it. That's considered your pay. But a slave can't pay a ransom price. They can't do it. It takes a free man to purchase a slave. So one slave may say, I think I'll work 10 times harder than the slave next to me. If I really work harder, they're apparently going to let me free. Well, 10 times zero is still zero. You can't afford it. And slaves also cannot only not free themselves, but slaves can't free other slaves. This is called religion because Buddha is one of them. Mohammed was born in the slave market. Joseph Smith was born in the slave market and they cannot free other slaves. This is the blind leading the blind. This 
this is religion. One person saying, I think I have the answer. Follow me. You're following a blind person. You're following one who is spiritually dead. You're following a slave. And all it is, religion is slaves trying to free slaves. A person may be rich and powerful. They may be government leaders or business leaders, but they cannot free themselves and they cannot free others. Most people are jockeying for a position in the slave market to be a leader of a business, to be a teacher in a school or end up being president of a country or the king of a country. But who cares? If you're still a slave, you're still a slave. Money cannot free you. The only thing that can free you is something that cannot be purchased with money. And that is the blood, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He paid the price. And the good news is now the door stands wide open. Jesus from the outside stayed on the outside for 33 years, died on the cross and now has opened up the gate. And the message that we have today is simply walk out. I'll see you right after the break. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and it's my favorite class. I think the students' favorite class is there. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all that covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. When I used to pastor at the church, I would even tell, I'd say, housewives, you that are listening out there today in the congregation, this is designed for you too. If you can't take this sermon, go home and meditate on it. And then the next morning, prepare a tuna fish sandwich for your children to go to school. Then I missed the point today. The word of God is not difficult. Even the Greek and the Hebrew were written on a third or fourth grade level where people could understand it. So that's what this is for. So, you know, this book will help and bless you tremendously as a person, as a, as a convert, and as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you teach a Bible class, if you teach a home cell group, or you're a pastor of a church or whatever, this book is for everybody and it's gonna greatly bless you. So I know you're gonna be blessed by getting this book and again, by growing in the things of God. So this book is available, $15. Go to my website, bobyandian.com and there you can purchase a copy of yourself. You might be saying, well, $15 sounds like a lot for a book. You'd pay that for a gourmet burger and an order of fries and a Coke after it's all over and that meal would last you maybe two or three hours, you'd be hungry again. This will feed you for a lifetime. You could read it over and over again, hand it on to your children. It will continue to feed them. And once you get it, one revelation, you say, wow, it was certainly worth the $15. So again, go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Rich people, powerful people, government leaders, business leaders, they can't free themselves, much less free anybody else. Like I said, come back to it again, we see people everywhere trying to rise in position, jockeying for position in the slave market. 
Nice people, moral people, hard workers, but they cannot buy their way out because there's no amount of money. Silver and gold cannot redeem you. Only one thing could redeem you, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's free. You say, well, that's cheap. No, free is cheap to us, not to God. God, If God were to set a monetary value on salvation, perhaps one person could afford it, or two people could afford it, but it's no way. It's so far beyond what any person could offer that what God simply said was, I put the highest price I could possibly put on it, free. And free doesn't mean cheap. It does to us, but not to God. Free simply means it's God's grace. There's no way man could afford it. So he offered it to us free. And it simply points to the grace and mercy of God. Jesus was virgin born on the outside of the slave market as Adam and Eve were created on the outside of the, of the slave market. Adam led us into slave market uninvited. We didn't get an invitation. He marched us in there and it's not our fault. It's his fault but Jesus takes us from the slave market at our request. Jesus is a perfect gentleman. And where Adam did not give us any choice, but forced us into the slave market, Jesus Christ comes to us, pays the ransom price, opens the door, and simply tells us all you have to do is walk out. And all we have to do is walk out. One of the stupidest things you can do is stay in a jail cell when the door is open and all the doors to the street are open. And all you gotta do is walk out. Remember when Peter, the, the chain drop from him and all the doors open. And he walked through one open door after another open door in Acts chapter 12 and finally ended up in the street. And that's where he thought, I must have been dreaming. Well, to think about the new birth that way is that one day our shackles dropped off and we accepted Jesus. Every door was open in front of us. We walked out and we suddenly got on the outside and realized something. I had nothing to do with this. Everything came to me by the grace of God. And just again, as we see uh, Peter being set free from a prison, we are set free from the prison of the slave market of which we were born in. In other words, to be in Christ, we had to first of all disconnect ourselves from Adam and be born into Christ, die to Adam and be born again into Jesus. And that occurred when we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus stands on the outside, Adam was on the inside. I one day disconnected from Adam and was joined to Jesus Christ. You know what the good news of the gospel is today? Someone may tell you, well, I know, I know you're talking about all this stuff, but how could God love me? Man, I was a pimp. A girl may say, well, I was the prostitute that worked for this pimp. And somebody else may say, I was a murderer, end up in prison. The whole point comes back to this. Listen, your pimping has nothing to do with it. Prostitution has nothing to do with it. Jesus died for all that. The murder you committed, he died for that. There's only one thing he didn't die for, accepting him as Lord and Savior. And he stands on the outside. Why don't you just walk through that open door and accept him as your Lord and Savior? Our message to the world is just walk out. That's all you have to do. The plan of salvation, the Bible says, is so simple, a fool couldn't err in it. Let's take a look at the order of sin and death. Two things passed on Adam, sin and death. Sin affected his body, death killed his spirit. The order of the fall was body first, then spirit. Romans 5, 12. As through one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world. Sin is the nature of the flesh. Another thing, term for it is the flesh. And again, it's in your body. It's called the body of sin, sin that works in your members. And so your temptations of sin come from the body itself. There's a nature found in your body because the, the ground was cursed and your body was made from the ground. So the curse is still with you in that respect. But what God changes is the inside. Adam died from the outside in. 
Jesus gives life starting from the inside out. And the last thing that will be redeemed is your body. So as through one man's sin, that is the nature of sin, called the flesh, entered the world, and then death through sin. Death then went into into Adam's spirit and Eve's spirit. They were physically alive, but sin entered first, and their body received the nature of the flesh, where our temptations so strongly come to sin. And then it went on in and killed their spirit. They suffered spiritual death or separation from God. So that death spread from that point to all then because all sin. What does that mean? mean? Every person born came from Adam and Eve, so it spread to all men because when Adam sinned, we sinned in him. Because our seed was inside of Adam and inside of Eve, whenever Adam sinned, it passed to all his seed. We are born under the fallen condition of Adam, born into this earth, spiritually dead, separated from God, and we have to come and join ourselves to Jesus Christ. So the sin nature first of all, entered Adam and his body. Then spiritual death entered through that sin into Adam's spirit. Adam's sin then passed to everyone born into the world after that. And Seth was born with the nature of the flesh and spiritually dead as opposed to his father who was created and his mother who were created in pure righteousness, but voluntarily walked into the slave market and received death and receive sin. The blood of Christ is the redeeming currency, the ransom currency. The blood of Jesus Christ paid for our purchase and our relief. It's so far above anything we could ask or think that Ephesians 1, 7 says we were paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, we were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me qualify blood, first of all. Blood represents something. We weren't saved by the physical red stuff dropping out of Jesus. It represented his life because the life is in the blood. Jesus said, I came to offer my life a ransom for many in Matthew 20 and verse 28. The blood of Jesus Christ paid for our purchase and our release. Ransom is what he paid in the Greek word for ransom is lutron. It means the the price paid for redeeming a captive or redeeming a slave. What was the sin problem? The sin problem is this. Redemption emphasizes the fact that we are sinners, not only by choice, but long before this. We're sinners at birth. We had to be condemned before we could be saved. In other words, there's no need for salvation if mankind wasn't condemned. But all of mankind was condemned at one time. Our condemnation came from Adam. And when Adam sinned, condemnation passed to everybody. Jesus Christ came so that redemption could be given to those who were condemned. But we have to accept his redemption. So our condemnation came from Adam and our redemption came from Jesus Christ. Why? Because we were born sinners. Romans 3.23, all have sin. Notice that's past tense. All means all, meaning everybody that hasn't even come yet, but we all sin. When have we all sinned past tense? We sinned when Adam sinned. His sin passed upon all men. He became the federal head of all mankind and from the head spread down into us the uh, origin of sin and sin entered into us and death entered into us. But then it says, and come. All have sinned and come and come this time as present tense. All have sinned as past tense and are coming short of the glory of God. Why do I come short of the glory of God? Because I sinned in Adam and I was born a sinner. I sin because I am a sinner. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I am born in sin. Therefore, I produce from my character. The only way out of this is to have my nature changed inside to righteousness so I can start producing righteousness in life. 
life. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners and we're born sinners. We had no choice to be in Adam. But again, Jesus Christ as the perfect gentleman comes to offer salvation to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam all die, but even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I am a sinner by birth, but I remain a sinner by choice. I have a choice to get out of Adam, but I also have a choice to stay in Adam. And the good news is if you live for 50 years, you have choice after choice after choice to get out of Adam and into Jesus Christ. I'm sure there's times I've witnessed to people, no, I haven't, they got saved, but you know what? It's probably not the first time they've heard the gospel. They've heard it before, but each time they said no, they said no, they said no. And just like Agrippa standing before Paul, almost, almost, you persuaded me to be a Christian. I trust we'll see him in heaven because he probably lived for a while after that. And I trust those words kept coming back that Paul gave him. And maybe we'll see him in heaven. So a person is either in Adam or they're in Christ. You know, we have this, this kind of simple idea or stupid idea, I would say, is that God's gonna judge us as individuals when we get to heaven. And by saying that, that when this verse says again, in Adam I'll die and Christ shall all be made alive, there's the difference in the world. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And God does not, does not see you so much as an individual. In heaven, you won't be judged as an individual. There's coming a time when all sinners will stand before God. That's called the great white throne judgment. Christians are, are judged in heaven for our rewards, not for our eternal life. We already have eternal life, but heaven is a gift. But there are those who turn down the gift of eternal life and they will stand before God at the great white throne judgment a thousand years after ours. And this will occur at the end of the millennium. All unbelievers will stand before God. And we somehow have this idea as sinners that I'll be judged as an individual and I'll be judged for my good deeds. And I think I've committed more good deeds than this guy or that woman over there because I think I lived a moral life. Good to my wife, good to my children. Yeah, I made some mistakes, but I gave money to charities and I went to church. I mean, you name all these things, none of them will take you to heaven. But we think again, we'll be judged as an individual. Like an individual stock of wheat, I will stand before God. And as I stand before God and God sees me as an individual, then I'll be compared to the person next to me and the person and the person next to me. And we'll all be judged. I'll be judged as Bill. Just Bill, I'll stand before him. Bill, this is what I find of you. No, the reason why you will not go to heaven is because you're dead. The reason why you're dead is because you are a branch attached to a dead tree. The dead tree is Adam. And when you get born again, you're no longer in Adam. In the new birth, you're taken out of Adam and placed into a living tree, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you gain your life from him. I gain my death from Adam, but I gain my life from Jesus Christ. And when I stand before God in heaven, he's gonna look at me as, as a Christian and say, why should I let you in? This will never occur, but we can just imagine it will. Bob, why should I let you in? I'm gonna tell you because I accepted Jesus Christ and I've been attached to a living tree ever since. I'm alive because I'm in Christ. And he'll say to me, come on in. But with a sinner, he'll have to say, who are you attached to? Well, they're still attached to Adam. And there's no way life can come through Adam. In Adam, all die. Even in Christ shall all be made alive. Again, I'm a sinner by birth, but I remain a sinner by choice. A person is either in Adam or in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21 and 22. Since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. And this is the whole purpose. Why do we witness to people? It's important to witness to people to tell them the truth. All you have to do is change trees. You know, and listen, the sin you committed, that's because that was your nature. God wants to change your nature and give you the same nature as Jesus Christ has. The way you're gonna do that is by 
accepting Jesus Christ now as your Lord and Savior. The moment that happens, you're renouncing Adam and you're taken out of him. Satan can't stop it. Oh, he might try to stop you from getting saved, but he can't keep you from getting saved. No, that's your choice. And then you become attached to Jesus Christ. And the moment you do, you tap into his life, his righteousness. You tap into everything good that he has and immediately it's given to you. So this is the beauty of it. We can't sin like Adam did. Adam sinned and became a sinner. We are born sinners and so we sin. I have to be born again as righteous to start committing righteousness. And that's what I have through Jesus Christ. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.